Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday morning messages are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, enjoy the message. Well, I want to thank everyone who has come out for Alice uh, so far. It's been a fantastic outreach. We had a full house last night and, and nearly full our opening night, Friday night. So come on out tonight, as, as Meredith was saying, and again, bring a friend. Let's get, get the word out there. And we're just so proud of our young people. The children they have worked so hard. I mean, I can't imagine as much dialogue as, as uh, they have memorized. It's incredible. They've done a fantastic job in taking that story and making it something translatable. And uh, it was an ambitious project, that is, there is no doubt. So that's what the stage is all about. And, uh, and again, one of our outreaches in our community, something that God has kind of put in our lap to do, and um, we'll, we, we'll be doing a whole lot more of them in the future. Well, we are in a, speaking of the future, we are in a series called A Hope and a Future. This is part two. If you missed part one, last week was an introduction where it kind of uh, kind of laid the foundation of what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. And so this is part two, and uh, I named it, You Must Be Born Again, all right? You must be born again. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 through 14 is our verses for this series, and I'm going to jump right in. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. Now, last week we talked about the specificity of the the historical background for this promise that I talked a little bit about. You can go back and listen to that of how this was a promise to the people of God who were in the process of being judged. They were being sent away in exile to Babylon for having sinned against the Lord, rejected his covenant with them, had had basically flushed all the wonderful grace and mercy that he had poured upon them for so many generations, hundreds of years. And God in his mercy and his patience basically just said, you know, look, you have crossed the line with me. You have thumbed your nose at me over and over and over again. There's going to have to be discipline. And so the Babylonians came and took them away for 70 years, as he said, until the day they finally came back. But on the way they were going out, just like God, even in the midst of the discipline, even in the midst of the consequences of our sin, God still is faithful. And God is saying, look, I have a hope and a future for you, You're going to endure this, and this is important that you do endure it, and you understand that there is consequence for sin, but you are going to come back, you are going to rebuild that temple, and you are going to go back to being my people, and then even in the midst of all that promise comes even the messianic hope of the coming of Jesus Christ, and not just the physical temple, but the Holy Spirit coming into us. So it's a very beautiful promise. So when we talk about a hope, hope in the future, we got, it's like dropping a, a rock in the pond. We've got ripples of how this promise comes true from the people of God, the, the, the Jews, coming back to the homeland, to uh, the coming of Jesus Christ, and even right up to this day, there's a ring of hope for us that God does have a plan. He does have a future for you. He does have something. But what we talked about last week is that the key to all of this was that one word, when, 
So God has made all the promises. God has done some wonderful things when we seek him with our whole heart. So we talked about last week, and I'm going to make real quick summary so I can get to what I want to talk about today, is that God does have plans. He's got a total package when we seek him with our whole heart. And the truth of it is, God has made that possible. More on that in a minute. It's also important to understand how God has created us. In other words, who we are, how God has created us to, to exist in this world. We are a tripart being. We're a spirit, we are a soul, and we are a body. And I'm going to, last week I saw a little snickering on that, kind of like, oh, Pastor David. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to show you in Scripture where that, that, that's true about who we are here in just a second. Last week was just an introduction, okay? So today we're going to dig into it. Uh, but that's how God has made us to be. And I also talked about how it's important that we understand this and we function that way. In other words, that we develop all three parts of who we are, that we look at the health of each area of, our li- of who we are to be. And you'll see why that's so important. And I made this statement that I absolutely believe is true without a shadow of a doubt, that when we ignore one aspect of who we are, we do that to the detriment to the other two. And so keeping a healthy balance, having a vision for all three of our parts of who we are, and having, uh, 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 again, a goal to walk in health and the work of the cross of what Jesus did for us when he, when he died on the cross for us, these elements, the, what he did, all of that is to bring wholeness to all three. And you see that. You absolutely see it in Scripture. So we need, again, to seek health and growth in all three of those areas. And so we will be doing that for the next several weeks. Today, we're going to talk about the Spirit a little bit more. And uh, again, we need a vision for all three. Now, here are some verses for you that support the idea of, of, of us being a, a tripart being. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit your soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here is Paul saying, I am praying for you that you have health and that, that the sanctifying work, what is that? Being made holy, being made healthy, being made whole is going to take place in three, all three aspects of your life. This is Paul's prayer for us, and he mentions all three. Then in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews mentions it as well in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Look at that. So soul and spirit, our soul, our personality, mind, will, and emotions, our spirit, that which of us is which is eternal and responds and can seize and see and interact with God, and then our body, joints and marrow. So what he's saying, he's using very specific, the, the writer is using very specific language to show that, and then he goes on and says, it judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. What does? The word of God. That the word of God is the only thing that can help us discern the difference between the three. So if you're a person that's not very filled up with the word of God, you're not very knowledgeable of the things of God, well, then this is foolishness to you. This is going to sound kind of crazy. This is going to be, man, what, you're, what are you coming up with? No, no, man, when you dig into the word of God and you begin to grow in the spirit, you begin to see the difference between the three and how critically important it is to walk in health in all three. So by ignoring the spirit 
oh yeah, I was just thinking that recently. I mean, that, that pretty much describes the rest of the world, that can human beings exist being dead in their spirit and yet still have a soul and body? Absolutely, happens every day. You're watching them drive like crazy up and down on I-95. So we can exist with a dead spirit. Interesting. But it's only the word of God that can divide like that, like a scalpel to know the difference between that which is of God and God speaking to us. And see, this is why it's so important. It's because when we go on this journey as believers to grow in spiritual understanding, in soul understanding, mind, will, emotions, know the difference between what is me and what is God. Do you find that to be a challenge? Sure. Is God speaking to me or is that just me? That little grumble, was that the spirit or just I'm hungry for lunch? You know what I'm saying? And believe it or not, the further we go, sometimes the more difficult it is to parse or discern the difference between the the three. But what the Bible tells us right here in Hebrews 4, that the only way you're going to know the difference is allowing the word of God to do it. It's sharp. Look what he says, what the, the word of God is. Attributes regarding the word of God is living. It's active. The moment you get the word of God in you, it's doing living stuff inside you. It's going to work. And it's going to be sharp to discern. So talk about why that's important here. And and so we, we begin today, after the introduction, to talk about our spirit and why it's so important that we must develop it. Now, let's start at the beginning. No, not at the real beginning. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus comes, and at his 30th, birthday, he speaks, and he says, I am the one that has been promised. I am the one that Zechariah was talking about. I am the one, I am the branch that Jeremiah was talking about. I am the Messiah. And everybody was shocked because they they didn't know that it was going to be him. He grew up among them. They were all blown away. He reads the book of Isaiah, and he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Thus begins the journey, the ministry of Christ for three years. And what does he do? He heals He speaks in the spirit, and only the spiritual can understand it. He heals physical bodies, and he restores souls, because that's what God does. God wants to restore who we are. That's what he does. He's busy doing that. Nicodemus, John chapter 3, watches what's going on here, and here's a very spiritual man, a man who fears God, a man who is a uh, a Pharisee, not a Sadducee, he's probably probably a Pharisee as, as far as I understand. So he's a man who believes in the spirit, which was the difference between Sadducees and Pharisees, by the way. Sadducees did not believe in the afterlife nor in spirits. Pharisees did. They believed in all of it. So Nicodemus comes to him and he says, look, and he comes at night. He comes when all the crowds are gone. He doesn't want to be seen with Jesus because he's not quite sure yet. So he pulls Jesus aside and he says, look, can we talk? You find us in, in John. He says, you know, I know you're sent from God, but I'm not, in, in, in between, when you can read between the lines, what he's saying is, I think you're the Messiah, but I'm not really sure. You're doing all these things, so I need to talk. I need a little more information from you. Can, can, can you share your heart with me? And so Jesus does. Jesus says, Nicodemus, and, and, and again, I perceive that you're a man who understands the Spirit. So, but you should know this. Knowing what you know in the Bible, you should know these things, but I'm going to communicate. I'm going to let you know. Nicodemus, look, you've got to be born again to understand these things, to what's going on as the world is getting turned upside down in front of you. You're confused as what's happening now, but I'm telling you, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus understands 
this is a, a, a good proof regarding this, this new beginning understanding, because that's exactly what Nicodemus understood him to say. Because then he goes, well, what do you mean? I got to go back and get back into my mother's womb? And Jesus says, no. He said, that would be impossible. Kind of surprised you even mentioned it, Nicodemus. But no, you can't do that. But the analogy says, you have to be born again. There is something of who you are that is not yet brought forth, not, not living in this world. And you've got to be born again. And I like the way Jesus comes at this because Paul going to give it a, give, it, give it a whole different perspective here in just a minute. But he says, look, you've got to be reborn and it's going to be in the spirit. And he goes, and, and it's a part of who you are that's been dead since Adam. And all that you're seeing going and taking place that is happening, unfolding before you, is something that's been prophesied from the very day that Adam and Eve fell, and it has been coming forward and now is being fulfilled right in front of your eyes. But only spiritual people are going to catch this. Only people whose spirits are brought to life are going to be able to move on with this. So Nicodemus, you know, there's no resolution in the conversation. He's just told, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus is thinking, hmm, I wonder how that's going to happen. Well... Jesus dies on the cross, rises from the dead, goes to heaven. He absolutely knows what that is. Nicodemus becomes a follower of Jesus by legend and historical uh, accuracy that Nicodemus went on to be one of those disciples and was following Jesus even after he had gone on to be with the Father. So he says, you've got to be born of the water, natural birth, and the Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who does this. So in the natural, we breathe air, we taste, we see, we touch and interact with the natural world. In the spirit, we interact with the spirit realm in much the same way, with spiritual senses. See in the spirit. We can hear the voice of God in the spirit. We can taste and see that the Lord is good. These are spiritual senses which will be developed as a result. Now, you say, well, I, I mean, if you're sitting there, and this is just an argumental, ar argumentative uh, approach to this, you may be sitting there and say, well, I've never tasted and seen what the, you know, I've never seen in the spirit. I've never heard the voice of God. Well, that's probably, and, and if you're a believer, in other words, if you gave your life to Jesus Christ, well, it's because you're a little baby. You've only just been birthed. And what does a little baby do? Nah, he doesn't do much. He's just got hunger and he needs to be cared for. And he needs to do what? He needs to develop. He needs to grow. He or she. And I know that, I've done it five times. And, you know, that baby needs nourishment. That baby needs to grow, and it's going to take time for that little baby to grow. In the same way, Jesus is the one who used the analogy, we are reborn and therefore somewhat infants to the, this whole spiritual realm. And so, Christian, if this is something that you're not aware of, something that you're not, it, nobody's condemning you, it's just that it's time for you to grow. It's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to mature as to what Jesus died on the cross for you to be. And unfortunately, we are our own worst enemy. We get in our way, and, and, and we, you know, teachers, we tend to focus just on the moral, moral aspect of the scripture, or we, we focus more on just the religious aspect of, of Christianity, and less on the spiritual dimension of who we are created to be. You know, I'm going to get a little bit deeper in this so that you understand. 
Bible tells us that our hearts are transformed and we're able to interact in relationship with God who dwells in the spirit realm. I know this to be true in my own personal experience, and I could have many of you come up and say the same. But when I gave my life to Jesus Christ at 17, my, the, 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 I, I began, I mean, I tried it reluctantly. I remember just thinking, well, the Bible says I can talk to him. I guess I'll give it a try. At the age of 17, there at the end of my bed, I just I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I want to talk to you. What has happened to my life? What is it that you're doing? What do you want to do with my life? I was shocked that God began to speak to me. Now he did, now angel didn't show up in the room. I didn't, I, I, you know, there wasn't a swirling cloud. There wasn't any of that. But I just in my conscience, in my the, the still small voice, I could hear God say, David, I got something so different. I'm getting ready to change the complete course of your life. And I remember thinking, okay, let's do it. And indeed, a journey began. And I'll show you here in Scripture, here in just a second, how that happened and how it can happen for you too. But before we get to that, I want to show you just where we are before this rebirth takes place. Look at Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. What I want to point out there to you is the death. Because last week, I, I laid that foundation to say, look, we are born dead in our trespasses and sins. Our spirit is dead. It cannot, and anything that's dead can't relate with a physical body, dead. Paul uses that argument in Romans chapter 6. Anything that's dead can't relate to anything. And in the same way, which is the only kind of language Paul knows to use by the Spirit of God to help us understand that our spirit is dead when we are born. You got a soul, you got a personality, you got a mind, you can think, you can be intelligent, you can live, you can build muscles, you can be beautiful, you can do all those things. But your ability to connect with God is dead. In fact, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you're dead to what I'm saying. It's foolishness to you. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us. Over and over again, it is foolishness to the world. Psalm chapter 2. The words of God are foolishness to those who are dead to the Spirit. We're all born that way. We're all born with a sin-fallen nature. If you've ever had a baby, you know what I'm talking about. Baby's born with a fallen nature. And you can watch it on display. I got my little baby. I don't know which one. It was all five of them at one point. Let's pick on Meredith just for a second because she was our first. And so Meredith is sitting there at the table, and she's, she pulls herself up, and yeah, no, no, you know, can't say much. Although she could always sing, you know, she always had a little beautiful voice. But anyway, she, so she pulls up the table, and we leave something in the middle of the table for this purpose, and Meredith starts to go for it. And that, no. Look at her. No, no. Meredith looks at us. She looks at the thing. Looks back at us. No, no and goes right for it. What is that? Did we teach her to do that? Did dad walk around and Andrea say to me, no, no, and she just watched it? Maybe, but anyway, uh, <laughs> but not likely, not likely. No, 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 this is what is happening is their fallen nature, their broken spirit, their, their inability to obey is hardwired, baby. You are born fallen. You are born dead in your trespasses and sins. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and following. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins 
in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now, he's getting a little deeper here. He's saying, we're born dead, but then we're also born to, into a world where there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a demonic spirit in principalities and powers who will then take advantage of all these blind human beings walking around the planet and leading them by their nose with deception. I missed to do something, didn't I? That's okay. We'll do it. Here, we'll do it in a minute. So hold on to those, those dots for me. So follow the ways of this world and rule of the kingdom of the earth. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we're by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. So we were dead, but now we're alive. What's going on here? Jesus told us that we were born again. That that is what's taking place, that our spirit is coming to life. It's an amazing thing that takes place. It's incredible. The moment we say, Jesus Christ, would you be my Savior and Lord? We Now, you don't feel it in your physical body. You, don't, you may not even sense it in your soul, but it's what's taking place. In the course of time, just like a little baby who begins to grow, you begin to see that you can interact with the spirit realm, then now you're sensitive in your conscience. You're now, there, now when you read the word of God, there's a hunger, and, that, and, it's, and it's feeding you. And it's amazing work that's taking place. He says, like the rest, we're by nature deserving of wrath. Christ, even when, uh, but Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, uh, he made us alive. It is by grace you have been saved. So what Paul is saying here is that that wasn't even us doing that. He came by his wonderful, loving grace and approached us, causing us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Even more reason to celebrate. Aren't you, gra aren't you glad that Jesus revealed himself to you? Aren't you glad that you're able to come and thank him for the wonderful work that you're able to respond? You know, anyway, we can, we can go so many wonderful directions here. Don't have time. Colossians 2, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision, uncircumcision of your flesh, speaking to Jews here, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us for all our sins. He said, you were dead, but God is the one who brought to you the life. We couldn't do it ourselves. So folks, when we get into this, it's so incredibly important that we understand the spirit realm. Now, before I get to the next part, I want to put you guys to put up this illustration for me. Okay, so we're going to put up a couple of dots. I want you to look at those dots. All right, now, if you've seen this before, don't ruin it for anybody and yell it out or anything. All right? I want you to just look at these dots. Now, what I'm going to tell you is that one of those dots is bigger than the other. But it's very difficult to perceive it, isn't it? Because of the difference in color. But as you look at these dots, I, mean, just, I want you to, in your mind, don't yell it out, as I said. Ushers will lead you out. No, I'm kidding. Uh, don't yell it out. Just in your mind, just decide which one is bigger than the other. All right? So just keep that. Make your own decision as you look at those two dots. Trust your senses. Trust me. One's bigger. We'll come back to it. Take them down. So, keeping going here, we'll come, we're going to come back to it. I'm going to tell you the answer to that in just a second, minute. So when it comes to this whole spiritual journey that we're talking about, this death being born in it and then being made alive in Christ as a result of accepting him as our Savior and Lord, 
what is so important for us to grow in this development of our spirit is first of all, the first step, if you're looking at your notes, discovering and staying aware of the spiritual realm is critical to prospering in your spiritual life. In the same way, if you want your physical body to get in shape, you need to get to the gym. You need to go to the track. You need to go for a walk. You need to do whatever. You need to get where your physical body, because look, just sitting there watching football on Saturday ain't going to do it. I've tried it. Don't work. Just doing this all day. May work this muscle right there, but nothing else. So in the same way, if you want your spirit to grow, you got to get out into the spiritual track. You got to go to the spiritual gym. You got to go somewhere where that spirit can be developed. And, that, and where that starts is just being aware of it, you see? And that's part of what this whole thing is about, is me making you aware of the fact that the Bible says that you're a spiritual person. And if you're giving your life to Christ, that aspect of who you are is so incredibly important that you do develop it. And the word of God is going to be there to help you as we've already read there in Hebrews 4. So notice what I said here, discovering and staying aware. This is the hard hard part. I think most Christians do believe there's a spiritual realm, but not very many really develop that aspect of who they are. Not many really muscle up to put on the full armor of God. Not enough people are really developing their spiritual man so that they can live in that realm. Just as much as you live in the physical realm, that you live in the spiritual realm. You say, David, you're talking crazy stuff. No, I'm not. I've lived this for 35 some odd years in my life. And I'm telling you, I've seen the benefit. I've seen the power. I've seen amazing things. I've traveled around the world. I've seen where darkness dwells. I've seen where life is pierced through I watched a whole bunch of Hungarian pastors come out from a time, a period of darkness who were seeking God and then brought it back to their nation. Have you been watching the news lately? I was there 20 years before that happened. Saw all these guys who had broken free from, the, from that cold uh, war zone and were really hungry. They brought back the gospel to Hungary and you'll find out in all of the European nations, Hungary is one of the most Christianized nations in all of Europe. It's amazing. I love sitting back and looking at it going, saw that. Saw it happen. It's amazing stuff. Been to Brazil, where I watched one of the largest international revivals taking place on the planet. Being in a soccer stadium with thousands and thousands of people crying out to God. Brazilians and Argentinians. Actually, it was Argentina. But the Brazilians were coming as well. It's amazing. We have to be aware of what God is doing. But the enemy doesn't want us to see it. And you're certainly not going to hear it on nightly news. Number two, our spirits are resurrected from a fallen dead state. Salvation. Developed. Sanctification. Growing more in an understanding and awareness. And strengthened spirit-led discipline, just like our natural body. And we'll talk more about that later. But this process is fascinating. God does this through a willing human being. Now, I quote, unquote, willing, because I'll tell you what, if you're, if you're born in your trespasses and sin, there's, there's no real willingness there. Every human being is free to do what they want to do, but no human being is free to do what they ought to do without Jesus Christ. So when your mind is so full of sin and rebellion and to doing whatever the blank you want, 
then that's what you do. And can any of us dispute that? Can a leopard change his spots? Can a sinner change themselves? Can a drug addict set themselves free? Can they? No. We need a supernatural savior. We need somebody who lives in the spirit, conquered in the spirit, and will come, make us alive, and begin to teach us to do the same. And if you understand that, then the whole Bible will come to life to you, my friend. You don't understand the Bible? Maybe it's because you don't understand this. It's time for you to get there. This is your time. This is the season. Now, right now, the pool is stirring. It's time for you to get up off the couch and start to develop your spirit. It's time to begin getting into the Word of God every day and letting the Word of God do for you what you need to see happen. You need a vision for your spiritual life. Talk about that. We need spiritual food, because see, how does that happen? We need the spiritual food. Just like you feed your own body, we need spiritual food. And what is that? Well, Jesus told us as he fought the enemy. The enemy came after, Satan came after Jesus in that temptation at the very beginning, and Jesus told them exactly how he was going to do it. Check it out. Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Check that out. You want to grow in the spirit? Be aware of the words of God. Read them. Meditate on them. Let the spirit of God reveal its impact to you personally. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit, and he is so ready because he indwells you already if you've given your life to Christ. He's ready. He is the translator. He is the transitioner. He does it all. He will comfort. He will lead you into all truth. We just got to have it in our mind, and this is where it spills over into the soul. Get more into that later because, see, we don't operate independently. Your soul is pretty critical to the whole process, too. And, you know, I'm no doctor, so I can't tell you a lot about the physical. I, all I can do is, is listen to my doctor, and I can pass on some helpful advice to you. So when it comes to the body, there are some things we can do. But when it comes to the soul and the spirit, that is where I'm pretty good. That's what I have been doing and learning. I've been a, a, a professional counselor, a biblical counselor for many, many years. I understand the soul. Because I've been set free, and I've also helped many others get set free with life-controlling problems, with depression, with oppression, with irrational fears, and other things that can burrow into our soul like a tick. And it comes from lies, by the way. Talk about that in a second. I say that a lot, don't I? What is your vision for your spiritual life? So be aware of it is, is first and foremost. And hopefully I've made you aware of that today. If you're, if you're saying, nah, I don't believe that, well, that's fine. We love you anyway. Because a lot of times people are aware, and I get those phone calls from time to time, Pastor David, there's something real spiritual going on in my home. You bet. You live in the spiritual realm, my friend, and it's for keeps. And you better learn to live there as a Christian. Because in this world, there's a lot of deception going on. So what is a vision for your spiritual life? You've got to have one. That's my whole point. It's what I said last week. You need a vision for all three. You need a vision for your spirit. You need a vision for your soul. You need a vision for your body in order to improve. Nothing improves without a vision. What did we say last week? Without a vision, what happens? My people perish. So we begin to regress and lose. Not, not that we die, but we kind of go into 
uh, uh, atrophy. If I don't use my muscles, my muscles atrophy. If you don't use your spirit, it atrophies as well. So that you're not. What did Jesus say? Or Paul said, make sure you have the, the shoes of the gospel, the readiness of peace, being ready to go at any time. So being prayed up, being worded up, being focused up. Because when it comes, I want to be found to be able to stand having done all the stand. I want to be able to look at it and to say, oh man, it's just the enemy. Oh, it's just you. Right? Shrug it off. Those irrational fears, those, those, those times, those waves of, 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 of things that can come over us, that can overwhelm us. But man, when we're walking in the spirit, we can say, look, I, I'm not subject to the things of this world. This is not my home. I belong to him. And there are so many things that God is ready to do. I'm getting ahead of myself. Can you imagine yourself spiritually strong, wearing the full armor of God? That's a good start. That's a good start as far as having a vision for your spiritual life, being armored up, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes of the gospel, shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. Being able to walk around with a sword and, and open a can of whoop every time you see something going on. Not being one who runs for cover, but goes, um, excuse me, this is not your domain. This is my house. This is my life. And Jesus has given me promises. Psalm 91 is my promise. No arrow that flies by day, nor pestilence that stalks at night will come near my dwelling. You see? Number two, start feeding your spirit. Read his word. Apply it to your daily life challenges. Man, you've got to apply it. Talk to God daily in prayer. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, 6. Don't let those things take you. And it's time to decide whether you're going to take the red pill or the blue pill. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't. And it's interesting because, you know, I normally don't use movies as illustrations as, as a lot of people do. But The Matrix, when it came on the scene, that's been out for a long time, hasn't it? And uh, matter of fact, it's all on reruns now, I imagine. But anyway, when it first came out, it was amazing. Did you know a lot of pastors and theologians went nuts? Because we're looking at going, there it is exactly what's taking place in the spirit. I don't know that they realized that, that what they were doing, but what a story for what really is taking place. That Neo is living in this matrix, this lie, this complete fabricated AI world, and yet he is relating to it, not realizing that he's being manipulated. He's not realizing he's being controlled by all of this until he meets Morpheus, who is supposed to be like a, like a Christ, like a, a prophet, really. Because Neos end up being the, the messianic one. But Morpheus comes and he says this. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. That pretty much describes the whole world. And everybody do not, does not know him. Just keep, just keep believing what you're believing. Just keep seeing what you're seeing. Just keep, you know, walking in this fairy, fairy tale, this lie that overcovers the whole world, that they will not be accountable for their sins, that they will, there is no God, that there is no reality, there is no morality, there's none of that. Just keep drinking that Kool-Aid. Keep taking the blue pill. And then he says, or you take the red pill. <clears throat> and he said, if you take that, you stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, I'm only offering you the truth, is what he says. 
And, and that's what's so brilliant about this is it's like, that's exactly right. All we can do is offer you the truth. It is your choice whether you want to stay in this land of illusion or do you want to go into the rabbit hole where you begin to discover that the, what that illusion is. Of course, the whole story of Alice is her discovering, understanding, her coming to realize that she has been living in a dream. And all of these things are really just the conflict of her life coming to the surface, in case you wondered what all that was. But anyway, a great psychological study in that story, but... Don't tell the kids. Anyway, uh, so it, it's, it's, it's coming to realize what is going on around us. Wakening up. And only in the spirit can you do that. Only having your spirit awakened in God will you then begin to go, whoa. Scripture tells us it's like uh, scales that fall off your eyes that Paul was able to see for the first time. Be able to see, to be aware, to know, whoa. So Neo comes out of this world and he begins to see things and he interacts with it and he begins to come into a power, which is pretty cool because, what he, he, again, it's an analogy of us coming into the authority that we have in Jesus Christ so that we can then, you know, supersede this, these lies, that we can walk through them, we can discover them, we can know them, and we have the sword of the Spirit to be able to divert any of the attempts of the enemy to distract us, to destroy us. Pretty daggone cool. You don't see that much in movies. So folks, we've got to see ourselves seated with Christ. Look what the scripture says in Colossians 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You want to grow in your spiritual life? Do you want to have a vision? It starts there. Check it out. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden, present tense. Your life is hidden with God. We've been, we started this whole journey talking about a hope and a future. Guess where it is? Seated with Christ. It's in him. You want to know what the hope is for your life, the future? Do you want to tap into a hope for who, what God has planned for you? It's in him. And guess what? You got to go get it. I'm not saying you're physically going to go up in a spaceship or anything like that. No, I'm talking about in your prayer life. It means you're, you, he says, set your mind, your affections on things above. That's how you get there. That means, okay, I got to start shutting out some things that have been robbing my joy, robbing my peace. I've been living in this, this, this matrix of lies and I've been, I've been unbalanced, only just living my life with the appetites of my flesh. Just running with what I feel. That's called hedonism, by the way. Just responding and just living my life. Oh man, I do whatever I feel. Yeah, that's hedonism and it's foolishness and it will destroy you. It leads to sexually transmitted diseases. It leads to uh, uh, drug, drug abuse and overdose and uh, destroyed life. It leads to confusion and financial disaster. Hello? That's where that rabbit hole goes. But in God is a hope and a future. In Jesus Christ. We set our minds. Right now, that's where it is. Ephesians 2, 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us, past tense, with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I love that one. Because I love comparing the two. Because one, yes, it, my life is hidden in God, but I'm also seated with him. That even in this life, even in this life, 
There is victory because I'm sitting next to him. Not, I may be physically with my boots here on the ground, but my life is in him. And when I start living that way, when I start walking that way, when I start perceiving that which the world that I live in, in the sh- very short life you and I have, things start getting pretty doggone cool. Spiritual matrix kind of cool. I can tell you. I've lived it. I've seen it. And it can be some kind of amazing. It can also be a little freaky too. won't lie to you. Because once you come out of the matrix, just like Neo, who realized what was really going on, when you wake up and realize what's really going on, and my friends, it's going to be a shock. Put the dots back up there. So I told you that one was bigger than the other. You don't have to yell this out because, again, I don't want... There's only going to be a, a percentage of you who thought the blue spirit, uh, blue spirit, blue dot was bigger than the red dot. But then there's probably a larger percentage of those who thought that the red dot was bigger than the blue. Guess what? They're exactly the same. Now you probably thought the red was big, bigger, and most people do, because the illusion, red is more of an illuminescent color, and it will appear to be bigger than blue. But you trusted me, didn't you? I told you that one was bigger than the other. You believed me because I'm a pastor and I really messed with your head. But I wanted to show you with an illustration that is how easy deception is. Because I led you to believe something that your senses perceived and you believed it. That is how it happens every single day on planet Earth. Your senses perceive that the flesh is more important than the spirit. Your senses perceive and enforced by those who are deceiving the blind leading the blind, telling you that your flesh is more important, telling you that you deserve to be happy, telling you that if you'll just give in to what everybody else is saying, that you will be the happiest and, and, and you'll enjoy this wonderful life or even just toss it all in and just say, well, who cares? I'm just gonna live for now. And what happens is we, it's a politician, it's an actor, it's, it's a poet, it's a writer, it's somebody important, it's a loved one who tells us these things, and they may not even be aware of what they're doing, but they're deceiving you because they're not walking in the spirit because they don't know the truth. How much more are those out there who believe and are every single day leading us as human beings in a direction and they know it's a lie? But because they believe in something bigger, they believe that the lies support the end game. That's when it gets really ugly. That describes what's going on in your world today, my friends. And the only way you're going to negotiate it is having that living, active, double-edged sword to help you to discern so that when you hear somebody speak, you look back and say, no, that ain't right. My spirit tells me that you're lying. My spirit tells me that you're being influenced by a wrong spirit, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Young ladies, how far would that go in helping you find a mate? Can somebody say amen to that? I read the word of God, and so, young man, I can discern something right going on there. 
That's valuable stuff. That's powerful stuff. That's going to help you avoid falling into the traps, the places that are going to capture us. Folks, we've got to develop our spirit. We are a spirit, we're a soul, we're a body, and all need to be in balance, all need to be growing, and they all need to be focused on being healthy. And then that's, my friends, where are you going to be happiest? Now, you say, well, my, my third part, my body's wearing out. Yeah, that's going to happen. Sorry. It's dying. It's not the way God intended it, but it is. But until that time, this body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Take good care of it. All right? Talk about that later. All right, you ready to be done? All right, let's stand up. You've been listening to Valley's podcast. Valley Community Church is located at 1215 Julian R. Allsbrook Highway in Weldon, North Carolina. We invite you to attend one of our Sunday morning services at 830, 10, or 1130 a.m. Visit us at valleychurch.us or our Valley app for more information about our ministry.